Hey everybody, welcome to episode 56 here on What About Therapy. I'm Enoch Fossum, and I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. And I'm Austin Ivey, and I'm certified in the basics of acceptance and commitment therapy, and we are both going to school to be marriage and family therapists. And on today's episode, we are going to be going through 30 really bad excuses that people use to not go to therapy and talk about why they're really bad excuses. Let's get right into it. Okay, well... (laughs) Um, as you heard in the intro, today we're just going to be going through an article, as always, I guess. Um, it's not always, but most of the time. Not always, yeah. And kind of on a theme that we've we've done before, like we've done an episode on therapy myths. It was like yeah. 10 therapy myths yeah. or something like that. And I was working today, we were coming up with some ideas for episodes, and it came to me, like, what about excuses? Like, what about some bad excuses that people use to not go to therapy and because I've I've used them myself. I kind of use them still sometimes. Yeah. I, some of mine that I use are in here. We're going to talk about them. But uh, this article is it's in Men's Health Magazine and it's called 30 BS Excuses Why Guys Don't Do Therapy." But yeah. I read through some of the headings and some of the headings we're going into without any warning. We have no idea what they say and we're yeah. just going to be giving our honest reaction We've to them. We've read like the first ten, yeah, or but, so. And I skipped down to the bottom one too just to see what it was. Oh, um, spoiler! I always skip. I always do that with articles. I'm, I'm that guy. <laughs> But honestly, like it's it's an article written for guys in a men's health magazine, but um, I guess it could really be applied to anybody. I don't see how they couldn't, at least the ones that we've read. I don't know about yeah, you. Yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's, it could totally go for both. I don't know why it's just guys. I mean, and they don't specifically say that these don't apply to women. It's yeah, just, they never say that. just directed towards guys. Yeah, so but. if you're a, you're a guy listening, you might be able to assimilate with the headings of these excuses a little bit better yeah. but honestly anyone could could assimilate in my opinion so i guess we can just get right into it let's do it number one cool uh number one is the number one excuses well not the number one but the first excuse on the yeah. list is there's nothing wrong with me i feel like i use that i've used that before for sure yeah. like you don't want to either don't want to believe there's something wrong with you because that's kind of scary or that you think that i don't know there's genuinely nothing wrong with the way you're feeling which is true in a, in a sense. Right. But let's say, uh, so let's talk about what you were saying the other day, how we all go to dentist, we all have dentist appointments, yeah, uh, yeah. physicals, checkups and stuff regularly, mm-hmm. even if you don't feel like you have a cavity. Right. Absolutely. And so explain, explain that. I love this. Yeah. This idea. Um, I just think there's a, there's a problem with the way we do mental health care in general, because like with your doctor, most people see their doctor once a year for a checkup. It's covered by insurance for free. You go and you get checked up, you do blood work. The dentist, most people go every six months. You have your visits covered by insurance and you go and you just get checked up, make sure everything's okay. But with therapy, you only go when things are like really bad or you get, you get a divorce or you like you lose a loved one, which is a really great reasons to go. But, um, I think we need to follow the same model as dentists and doctors where you go to a therapist once or twice a year to do a routine checkup. Mm -hmm. And I have a whole idea with like insurance plans and stuff like that that yeah. uh, my, maybe one day we'll use but <laughs> one day baby that's the way that i see it is that we should start seeing therapy and mental health care as the same way we see dental care eye care yeah um physical care to our doctors and start seeing people for almost no reason like you shouldn't mm-hmm. you don't go to a doctor just because you're sick for your physical physical check- checkup you find out if you're sick if there's something you need to work on if you're your BMI is too high. If your blood sugar is too high, your blood pressure is too high, you find that out at the doctor. 
And with this idea that I guess we've talked about before with this yearly or biannual therapy checkup, you find out maybe if there's something that you need to work on in your life, you do a little inventory and then you avoid maybe some of the bigger calamities in the mental health realm. Yeah. So that's kind of my, that's my spiel on that. Well, I love that down the pike. Maybe we'll have something like that. That's so great. Cause I think my opinion is mental health is the most important part of all of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sure, physical health is important, all that stuff. But like mental health, man, everyone and anyone that's gone through childhood, including you, Mr. Mrs. Listener, (laughs) you have gone through childhood and there's a lot of things that you went through that were probably really traumatic for you as a child, whether you remember them or not. Mm -hmm. And those can have a dramatic impact on how you interact with people now, how you just how you live on a day-to-day basis. So I think I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And down the road, we talked about implementing something like that with our practice and not just to get people in the doors, but because I think that is what is the solution to the mental health crisis. If that's what you want to call it, like handling mental health issues better is to stay on top of it by annual visits and regular checkups. If you want to call them that. Right. Like imagine if we only went to the dentist when we're, we're, our teeth were just hurting so bad that we can't even like, we can't take it anymore. So we have to go to the dentist. Yeah. All of us would always have hurting mouths and be mm-hmm. like, oh, Austin, you go to the dentist yet? Uh, no. I'm no. holding off as much as I holding can. Holding off. Yep. I don't, it's I not don't, for I'm, me. The dentist really isn't for me. The I'm doctor good. really isn't for me. Like, I, yeah. I have this cancer, but the doctor is just, it's not for me. I'll no. take care of it myself. I'm good. Yeah, that's, um, it's just, it comes from a good place, I guess. Maybe not a good place, but it comes from a place that a lot of people have. And um, yeah, I just think that... Uh, that's really the best place to go when it comes to the way we, we fix the mental health care system. Right. And I mean, that takes us right to number two, which is, okay, fine. Maybe something's kind of broken, but therapy can't fix me. Okay, maybe fine. My teeth hurt a little bit, but the dentist can't fix me. <laughs> like that's, you know, period. And even like that, that, that um, therapy can't fix me. That's not the point of therapy. The therapist isn't there to fix you. You're there to, to gain skills and to get a a third party perspective of your life and yeah. to, per, to get professional counseling on what you can do to fix you. You're going to fix you. That's yeah. Right. That's not the, and I guess that, that shows the the problem with a lot of mindsets about therapy. It's not the therapist fixing you. It's the therapist empowering you for you to fix yourself right. in a professional setting. Right. Like people go to therapy and expect a the therapist to give them answers to all their solutions like or all wizard. their problems and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like bibbity bobbity. Here's your answer. It's like, <laughs> no, that's, that's not it. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. If you're thinking about going to therapy, start to change that paradigm shift. That's if that's something you believe that your therapist is just going to tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Because most of the time they're not going to. Yeah. It's all about you and helping you grow and helping you not to rely on the therapist so you can actually live your life and you know what to do for your issues when they arise again. Yeah. Amen. Couldn't say it better myself. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to number three now. Excuse number three is I can't do therapy. I guess this is where it gets gender specific, but I'll, I'll yeah. make it gender neutral. I can't do therapy. I'm the person who is supposed to have my crap together. There's a swear word there. So if you read the article <laughs> later, sorry. I just don't want to put the she. E next to the... <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to have my crap together. You know what the word is. So, I mean, a lot. Of, I have that mindset for sure, where like you feel like if you go, um, you're letting go of this idealized perception of yourself that if you go, you're letting you're giving into the fact that you're broken or there's something wrong with you and you're not the guy that's broken. You're the guy that fixes things, right? You're the person that always has it together and helps other people keep it together. But that is, 
always wrong because everyone always has something wrong. No matter how good you think you are, there's always something that could be tweaked to live a more fulfilled and meaningful life. Yeah. And I think that is more apparent with guys for sure because guys are seen as tough. I mean, depending on their culture, like especially here in the United States. Yeah, definitely. Guys are seen as big, tough baddies. Like they got to be, be strong all the time. They can't show emotions. Men don't cry, yeah. Blah, 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 all that. Which just simply isn't true. Yeah, I can think you can show that. That is specifically for men because that is yeah. unfortunately a problem with the way that boys and men are socialized. Yeah. And number four here, piggybacks off of that, which is going to therapy means I'm weak. Mm-hmm. And again, that's totally a cultural stigma. I have read several, several in several places where, like in, in other countries that are more um, like family and group oriented instead of more individualistic, they go to more therapy and they can show their emotions more freely without having the fear that they're seen as weak. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah. I love number five here because I love debunking it. It's great. Um, number five is they're going to sit there and judge me, and I'm not paying for that. <laughs> and I want to read the, the the thing that the article says because it's so yeah. good. It says a therapist is by definition disinterested in you. That is not they're not interested. It's disinterested. You are to them a patient, one of approximately 15 the average therapy season therapist sees in a week, and it's probably more than that. Therapists are busy, so they're seeing probably up to 12 a day, up 10 a day. Seeing a lot of people, not that they can't make a special connection with you, but they're seeing a lot of people. Um, They're not caught up in your life. They're professionals. So they look at you the the same matter-of-fact way your mechanic looks at your car's transmission. Not as your partner might, with the terror and resentment of riding shotgun as you blow through a red light. They care enough to assess the damage, not enough to judge. So let's go back to the doctor analogy or the dentist analogy. Maybe your dentist judges you for your eating habits or for your drinking soda, but then change dentists because if they're judging you, that's not their job. It's to help you with your dental health. Same with the doctor. Like if you go to your doctor and if it's a good doctor and you tell them I have this issue and it's kind of embarrassing, um, they're going to be like, okay, let's fix it. Yeah. The good doctors, they don't judge you for what your problem is. They get paid and it's their, hopefully their passion to just help you with your problem. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of therapists, I know me and Enoch are this way too, they don't care about what you've done or what you've gone through. Their job is to to be, they're literally their job is to be impartial yeah. and to not judge. That's what you get paid yeah. to do. That's the whole point <laughs> of therapy. Yeah. And to provide that third party objective opinion with professional advice from years of schooling. Right. So it, to see it the same way you see a doctor, the doctor's not going to judge you for being sick. The therapist isn't going to judge you for having a mental illness. Oh, you're sick. Oh, you have, you, you have the flu. Get out of my office. <laughs> what you're, a shame. You're overweight. Get out. <laughs> that's you. You have anxiety. Leave my room peasant. Like that's not what a therapist is going to do. Like, and I, I understand that's an oversimplification, yeah, but yeah, they're there to, they're there to help and to be literally, they get paid to not be judgmental. Yeah. Number so. six, I have a spouse slash partner for that. No, 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 no. Big no. No, your spouse or partner is not your therapist. They're not there to help and fix all your mental health problems. They're not. And that can actually cause a lot more issues in the marriage or in your relationship than actually fixing it. So that's going to be a whole other episode down the road that we're going to talk about. But there is, you can, we mentioned this a little bit in the past, but if you ask for help too many times for so many things in a relationship, it'll actually cause a lot more issues. So 
Yeah, you're, no, no, no. Your spouse is not your therapist. Um, I've made that mistake. I am not my wife's therapist. Um, anyways, but seven and eight are actually combined in the article, and this is the, actually the topic of our What About series from last week and this week. But seven mm-hmm. and eight are, seven is I have CBD for that, or I have marijuana for that, or any other drug for that. And number eight is I have vodka for vodka, vodka, vodka for that, or insert any alcohol for that. So you have some other coping mechanism that makes you feel really good and makes the bad feelings go away for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, no, uh, vodka is distilled and distilled water. It's distilled water. I think it's, I think it's fermented <laughs> potatoes. I don't know, but it, it's not going to go into your brain and fix everything for you. CBD is not a magical oil that goes into your brain and changes your thoughts. Marijuana is not a magical substance that goes in and changes your childhood trauma. It treats symptoms. It makes you feel better for a short amount of time. And as we've talked about before, mm-hmm. medications in general and things like that can be good for the process of therapy. They can raise your emotional baseline. And a person struggling with any type of thing, like anxiety or depression, could benefit from appropriate medication, um, not self-medicating with alcohol or CBD. Well, I guess you can't really self-medicate with CBD. I guess you can, but yeah, that, you're not really going to benefit much from that. You're, right. you're treating symptoms, not um, healing from from wounds. Yeah, it's a band aid for a broken arm. It's a painkiller for a for a I don't know a, a cut. I don't know. Some, yeah. it's not, it just doesn't doesn't work very well. Yeah, so very effective. If you have that, listen to episode of uh, what about. What about series this week? We'll talk what about, about it. episodes 17 and 18. Yes. Yeah. There back to back. Number nine. I think this, <laughs> I think this one's hilarious. I'm actually just going to directly quote it. <laughs> so number nine, I went, but the therapist just sat there and didn't say anything. So here's, here's a little scenario they give. So client, why is it that you just sit there and make vaguely sympathetic noises, but don't speak? <laughs> therapist, <laughs> Silence. He doesn't say silence, but he's just... Silence. (laughs) Client, no, but seriously, again, just silence. The client, oh, I get it. I guess it's because in some types of therapy, your job isn't so much to direct me as it is to allow me to upheal the layers of my mind. (laughs) It's as if all these words I'm saying are clearing out the tubes of my mind like an emotional bile pump until, exhausted, we start getting down to some real issues. Issues I've kept hidden either because they seem so trifling like when i was eight and fell off my bike and started crying and instead of empathizing with me my dad sarcastically said how many wah how many wawas that's okay <clears throat> or because they're shameful like the fact that i think i'm fundamentally unlovable and that if i ever let anyone know me like really know me with all my defenses down they'd see that is that it the therapist silence the client weeping the therapist hands a box of tissues <laughs> and that's it <laughs> i love that, that. Is so, so much. good dude it is so good i had no idea that was in here i'm glad we used this article <laughs> yeah. it's really funny but there you go the client kind of uh gave some answers there mm-hmm. and some types of therapy that's kind of what it's about getting down the nitty-gritty by just layer after layer until you get down to the core of the onion yeah, the, that makes the you cry. Hair. The rosebud. That is the basically the fundamental principle of talk therapy is to get things out so you can hear what your own thoughts are. And so if your therapist is just kind of quiet and unjudgmentally just is there, that that means they're doing their job, and it's yeah. it's they're there. You're there for you to figure yourself out, basically, with the help of a professional. Yeah. 
If someone's dad really says how many wawas, I'm sorry for laughing. <laughs> that was funny, but unfortunate. Um, that's probably that, could, that can be very, very real. It is, yes. Um, right. Number 10. Sitting in a room to dwell... Ooh. Sitting in a room to delve in your own muck seems like it just gets... I, man, a dyslexia. Sitting in a room to delve in your own muck seems like it just gets you covered in muck. So essentially, like, why would I go and get filthy with my own problems, my own dirt? How is that going to help? By digging up old wounds and things like that. Isn't that just going to make me, make me feel worse? Essentially, that's what I get from that. I'm going to take it back to another doctor analogy. Let's say you have um, cancer. We talked about how my father has cancer. And um, he has to go and do chemotherapy where he goes and he feels worse than he does from just having cancer. Right. He goes and he gets chemotherapy and he comes. he's sick for like four or five days afterwards. But it's helping him stay alive. It's, it's a terrible feeling. And it's opening up the wound even worse. But it's, it's healing him. It's actually healing him. It's not just treating yeah. symptoms. It's healing him. Think of a surgery. You have a, some type of growth or something, that, or something that needs to be removed. Let's say you need to get your appendix removed. Um, the doctor has to literally cut a hole in your stomach, go in, cut a piece of your body out to make you feel better. He has to go and do damage yeah. for you to feel better. Yeah. And it's, it might be quite similar with therapy. You have to open up some old wounds so they can heal properly. Yeah. Put some stitches in them so they heal the right way or to go in and cut out the, the inflamed appendix, which is going to take some recovery and some time to do so. Um, so you essentially do damage to heal. And it might be that when you go to therapy, you're going to feel some, some trauma. And that's why you go to a, a professional that knows how to help you deal with your trauma in a professional setting rather than you just trying to do it at home by yourself. And that, in that case... Let's push the analogy further. You wouldn't do surgery on yourself and take your appendix out at home. You would go to a professional that can help you do that. So that's the end of my analogies. But sometimes you got to get a yeah. little bit dirty in order to get clean. Yeah. I think there's another paradigm shift we can make here. When we think of healing, we think of like feeling good all the time. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case yeah. for healing. Like all those analogies. To heal, a lot of the times we have to go through some crap and mm -hmm. relive some things and that's okay and that's what real healing is and that's why you go see a professional because the professional will be able to walk you through it in a healthy way and you'll get through it exactly number 11 i don't want to complain so that means 12 is on this one too so 11 and 12 is the same oh basically. yeah so plus okay. 12 11 plus 12 11 i don't want to complain 12 i don't want to talk crap about anyone those are just dumb excuses. Next. There's not much to that. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Go ahead and do 13 because those, yeah. those are right up. Yeah. So 13, once you start therapy, you're never done. Wrong. I mean, not much to say about that. I, I mean, know that can be an actual fear for a lot of people is once you start, you're going to be there forever, either paying a lot of money or just using a lot of time. And look, the therapist, if they're a good therapist... They're not going to try to keep you there as long as possible because you make them money. The therapist is going to try and really get you out of there as fast as they possibly can mm -hmm. because this is all about you, right? And so if you go through two, three sessions and you're done, then you're done. The therapist isn't going to say, oh, but let's uh, come back next time. Let's talk about this, you know, mm -hmm. and try and keep you there because they won't unless they think it's an actual 
like issue or something that you would really need to actually actually work through. Yeah. And most therapy modalities are set to fit a specific time frame, like DBT, yeah. dialectical behavior, dialectical behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a twelve week thing. Twelve or so. And so, and that's specific. Yeah. That's meant for specific personality disorders. I think histrionic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. But it has a time frame. This is what it's going to take. Yeah. Modalities like acceptance and commitment therapy, um, and some of the studies and research that has been done, like there's been effective, even like actual neurological brain changes that happen within just a couple of sessions. Yeah. And so a lot of these, especially newer modalities, I think the people think of psychoanalysis with like the Freudian, you lay on a couch and they interpret your dreams, and it takes years to do it. Therapy is different now. It can be quickly and it can be based on your needs. Yeah. So number 14, I don't even know where to start. MD, um, PsyD, PhD, LCSW. Honestly, I don't know where to start either. And frankly, it doesn't matter. What matters yeah. is your relationship with the therapist because if they have the proper license and the and you, I'm going to use a silly term, if you vibe well with them, that's really all that matters. There's therapists and doctors and psychologists that, that specialize in certain things. Like if you have mm-hmm. a, if you have, let's say, you know, you have a, if you want to work on a personality disorder, you don't want to go to a therapist that specializes in personality disorders. Right. If you want to work on addiction, you want to go to a therapist or a doctor that specializes in addiction. Right. So if you have a specific problem, it's like the same reason that you, like if you had a, if you had a gum problem, like your gums, you would go to um, a periodontist, right? You'd go to a periodontist because they, we know this because we work in the dental field, <laughs> but um, if you have gum problems, you go to a periodontist. If you have stomach problems, you go to a gastroenterologist. If you have problems, you go to the heart problems, you go to the cardiologist. But beyond that, um, you want to find a doctor that you just vibe with, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they have a master's degree, a PhD, like if they're certified, if they have that like license and they're certified whenever they want to specialize in, like go for it. Yeah. I want to like one of my favorite movies is, um, Goodwill Hunting. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's about, um, I it's, don't know, it's about therapy. Um, well, Robin Williams plays a the therapist. Um, Matt Damon plays the, uh, patient, the, the client. Mm-hmm. And, um, Matt Damon goes to all these different like doctors, fancy doctors, all these things. And it just doesn't work out for him. But then he goes, he gets taken to, um, Robin Williams. Who's just a, I think he's just a social worker, licensed clinical social worker. And he's a, he teaches at a community college and he's the therapist for him. Mm-hmm. And so the title, the title, the license doesn't matter as long as they're licensed officially by the state that they live in, they, they have the credentials. They're not just some, like, they're not just like a life coach, stuff like that. Um, they're an actual licensed professional beyond that. It doesn't really matter as long as you yeah. fit with them and they have your, the ability to help you with your specific problem. Yeah. The number one predictor in seeing if the, the therapy is going to be a success or not is the relationship with the therapist and the client. That's the number one predictor. So if you vibe well with the therapist, you're in a good spot. Exactly. Number 15, I don't want to take pills. We've talked about this a lot, actually. Most, I'm not going to say most, there are a lot of therapists out there that are just against pills in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because you know our stance on it. We're not against pills. Mm -mm. They're great. And this article even says, if you struggle with depression and anxiety so bad to the point where you can hardly function, then taking pills, taking medication will help you actually get out of that ditch to go to therapy and then to wean off. Most therapies aren't going to keep you on medication for a long time. And most therapists, like speaking of licensures, most 
licenses don't allow you to prescribe medication. So yeah. if you're going to an LMFT or an LCSW right. or a licensed professional licensed professional counselor, they, they don't even have the ability to give you medication. Yeah. If you go to a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist, and I believe there's this, a couple of other licenses where they can prescribe certain types of medications, and then, yeah, you might get that. But yeah. if you're going to an LMFT like me and Enoch are going to be, they can't even give you medication. Yeah. So they're just going to talk to you and they're going to give you other skills and work with you in other ways that aren't um, biologically based. They can give you tissues. Yes. There you go. And um, maybe like some fidget toys to play with when you're sitting in the... Some mints. Yeah, coloring book maybe. Some high shoes. (laughs) Some high shoes. Yeah, I want some good snacks in my therapy office. I've already thought about that. (laughs) Anywho, um, 16, I tried, but finding a therapist is impossible. And this I understand because... Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we have somewhat of a therapist shortage across the United States because the demand has grown very large because people are waking up to their problems and it's becoming less stigmatized, all that great stuff. COVID, like all these problems coming from being isolated, so many things. And so there's just a lack of practitioners out there. Luckily, with the 21st century, we have so many online resources, things like BetterHelp, Cerebral, um, there's another online therapy program. I can't remember what it's called, but I know the cerebral and, um, it's called, uh, there's one talk now, talk now. Yeah. That's talk one. now, cerebral, better help that <clears throat> they have networks of thousands of online therapists where you can even like text them, email them, mm-hmm. or you can meet over video chat. And so yeah. that is a, it's a real excuse and a real problem for a lot of people, especially people that live in rural areas like yeah. that don't have access to a therapist in their little teeny tiny town. But if you have access to internet, you have access to a therapist. Yeah. 17. I wouldn't even know what to say to a therapist. I'm going to quote the article here. Sure you would. They're a person just like you, and you can start with these seven questions. One, I'm dealing with X. What is your experience treating this type of issue? Two, what kind of treatment or therapy do you think might benefit me most? Three, can you describe how the treatment works? Four, how do you assess progress? Five, how long do you anticipate we'll work together? Six, what is your availability? Seven. How much is this going to cost me? Like it's, you know, therapists aren't not human. They're just like, again, like the article says, they're just like me, just like you. Like we're just people. So let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 18 is I'm broke and I can't afford therapy. Again, a very real problem for a lot of people. And unfortunately, a lot of insurances don't cover therapy very well mental health therapy, they cover medications very well, um, but not so much like talk therapy and other forms of behavioral therapy. Um, and that, I just, I, I don't have much to say about that. I can read some of the things here that um, it's, it talks about how their, the telehealth therapy is significantly cheaper than like visits. Um, so again, BetterHelp, Cerebral, I think, I think BetterHelp, you pay $250 and you get like, it's like, 250 a month or something yeah. for like a good amount of sessions every month and access to your therapist like you can text them like i think Almost. at any given time really yeah i think so too and like live sessions i think you get a certain amount of live sessions and i think yeah. even then i think they have like programs to help you if you're lower income or you can't afford it i think they they can work with you on that and give you yeah. like I, I don't know what that looks like because i've never looked into it but i know you can talk to them and work something out so if that's your problem then i would recommend going to one of those online teletherapy websites and see maybe talk to someone in support maybe look through their pricing options because they are good deals for people who can't afford to go to an in-person therapist yeah 
Number 19, what if my employer finds out? They won't. There are HIPAA rules that won't, like the therapist isn't going to tell anyone unless they legally have to, like mm. in court situations. But I mean, you listening now, it's probably not going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So no one's going to find out. Yeah, literally no one. Um, the therapist is legally obligated to not tell anyone. Same with number 20. Uh, what if my friends find out? They won't. And I love what the article says here. Yeah. Um, yeah. What if your friends do find out? If they're good friends, they'll be supportive. If they're bums about it, get new friends. And it doesn't <laughs> say bums, but I'm not going to be swearing on this podcast. Um, so yeah, I love that too. Like if your friends yeah. do find out that somehow slips up, like, Hey, I went to therapy. Like, where were you this morning? I was at therapy. Like, Oh, what's oh wow. You got what's, issues, bro. What's wrong with you? That's your perfect indicator. That they're probably not really good friends. So yeah, there you go. But they won't find out if you're, if you don't tell them because the therapist will keep yeah. their mouth shut. Yeah. 21. What if my spouse finds out and thinks it's about them? Tell them it's not. <laughs> Again, <laughs> Communicate about if, it. What if your spouse does find out? It's a great time to connect. Exactly. Great time to have a conversation. Break down some barriers of vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, the article does say, though, most of the time, men, again, this is this article is about men, keep in mind. Men come in because their spouse is making them do it. <laughs> <laughs> so your spouse probably already knows. Yeah. And I would recommend maybe not going to therapy without your spouse's knowledge in the first place because that you want that support and... Right. And helping Unless, do so, like, I mean, it might be... Situations, it'll be different, but... Yeah, exactly. In, in most cases, I would, um, I don't know, I, I feel like it'd be good to have that conversation beforehand, like, is, would therapy help me, and have that conversation with your spouse, yeah. communicate about it, connect. Like Enoch said, that's a very specific situation. Right. Anywho, uh, 22 and 23 is, therapy is a rich person thing or a white person thing? And that, out of that, when I read that, this is the one I read earlier, and, like, it made me almost a little like sad that people might feel that way because yeah. um, I feel like this is something that, like we talked earlier, this is something that is a real issue. That people need access to therapists and bringing back the doctor analogy. If we were to say doctors are a rich person thing or a white person thing, dentists yeah. are a rich person thing or a white person thing. And there are unfortunate economic disparities and racial disparities in this country and many other countries um, but I'm here to say that it's not a rich person thing and it is not a white person thing. It is a it is a human thing. And I think everyone needs a little bit of therapy. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be frank. If you're really using those excuses not to go to therapy, that's a ridiculous excuse. Yeah, absolutely. Like that is, that's out of this world. That's, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And I love the article says psychotherapy may have been developed by Sigmund Freud for wealthy white women, but it doesn't have to stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. And yeah. it's, it's not anymore. I mean... That's actually funny. Yeah. Wealthy white women. Didn't know that. I didn't learn about that. Thing. Yeah. I learned a little bit about it in, uh, in my <laughs> abnormal psych class, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a really bad excuse. And so you, you deserve better than that. I guess the next one kind of goes with that. Therapy is yeah. a young person thing. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like no I, I feel like it's actually maybe should be more so used by the old generation because yeah. I feel like that generation was so forced into bottling their emotions and right. moving on and sucking it up and all that. 20th century grit mindset that can be good in some instances, but yeah. I feel like there's a lot of older generations that could really benefit from finally opening up about the things that they were just told to, to bottle away and to suck it up, you know, especially with like the, the older men. I feel like that was yeah. a huge deal just to be a man, to, to never show your be emotion. A man. <laughs> You're living in long. ancient China. Yeah. <laughs> the, the men there could not show their emotions. No way. <laughs> Mulan showed it. But yeah. 
25, I don't, have to, I don't have time to sit somewhere and talk about my problems. I love this right here. <laughs> the article says, when you consider every week, the average American spends four hours and 47 minutes on Facebook, three hours and two minutes on Instagram, and three hours and two minutes on Snapchat, then 50 minutes of therapy a week doesn't sound daunting. There you go. Especially it's when it's a, on the same phone that you go on Facebook. It's <laughs> Oh, for real. When you actually do like teletherapy over the phone, over Zoom, you have time. That's just a ridiculous excuse. And I mean, overall, that excuse is you don't have time to do something. There's usually always time that you can make, mm-hmm. especially if it's important, like your mental health. Yeah, it's it's finding the, the value in the thing, like what you value most. <laughs> if you If you want to do it, you'll find time to do it. Yeah. Um, number 26, I went once and it didn't take. Um, and it says C16 and 16 says I tried, but finding a therapist isn't, isn't, isn't possible. So in other words, it says try again. Yeah. Like if, if you had a relationship that didn't work out, you wouldn't just give up on relationships. You would just keep going. So yeah. Uh, number 27, I wanted to sleep with my therapist. It got weird and I quit. That's actually pretty common. Um, that's yeah, something we learned about. Say, yeah, yeah I, we learned about it, and I've learned it in a couple of psych classes that yeah. um, emotional, romantic feelings towards your therapist happens very often. It's actually in the majority of cases, especially um, with male therapist to female clients. Yeah, um, that for some reason that just happens a lot, and a lot of therapists report having feelings towards their client too. Like in a survey that I learned about in one of my. Um, classes they said that a lot of like male and female practitioners have feelings towards their clients and you wonder why because you're i mean you're talking about very real things you're talking about Mm -hmm. emotionally vulnerable things but please don't like keep that from you from finding a new therapist or just getting into therapy in general because um most therapists are gonna be very professional about it they're gonna they might have those feelings of like vulnerability and like i don't know intimacy i guess Mm -hmm. but the professional experienced therapists are going to know that that's part of the job and that there's to know that that's just part of vulnerability. Yeah. And what they actually say to do is to let the therapist know and yeah, say, exactly. I'm having feelings for you. Is this normal? Mm-hmm. And then you talk about it and yes, it's normal. Like it's the, very common. It's called one of the keywords is called transference, mm-hmm. transferring emotions and stuff that you've had for other people onto the therapist. And it can happen vice versa as well. Yeah. So I love the article that says, Hey, this is Joshua. This is the guy writing the article who's a therapist. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, this happened to me. Think about it. You're in a small room with someone. Your secrets are coming out like you're an emotional colander. Colander? Colander? I don't know. Colander? Yeah. Colander. And still they accept you. In fact, they're sympathetic. Of course, intimacy, intimacy is going to flower, and it makes sense why you might misidentify it as romantic. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. yeah it's like misidentifying feelings. Yep. Yeah. It is normal, and that's okay. 28, the only thing worse than going to therapy is hanging out in the therapist waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Overbay. Sure. He always talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I that's mean, a... That could a be a fear. Friend. Like if someone walked in that you knew and they see you're in there for therapy. Make the awkward eye contact. <laughs> yeah. That'd be... I, I could see that being a problem, but sure. again, it's, um, unhelpful, silly excuse because, you know, that that's... At the end of the day, that's a very small problem that is very real of course but um at least me and you're gonna make our future waiting room very comfortable yeah very nice you're gonna want to so be in the waiting room some <laughs> maybe awesome. really nice plants <laughs> some mints on the table you know like um and again <laughs> that's the mints. going back to the teletherapy that's not an excuse if you can um if you have access to a phone that has data on it or wi-fi 
you have access to a therapist where your waiting room is your bedroom or your couch, yeah. whatever it is. So um, that's yeah. the wonderful world we live in. That there's no such thing as a waiting room if you don't want there to be. Right. And I mean, yeah. I love what the article says here. It says, if this happens, someone walks in and sits with you in the waiting room, you can take this as a moment to feel comforted that you are not alone mm-hmm. in needing help. But people just like you are also getting help. Hmm. I like that kind of the analogy. There's people going in and out of that waiting room all day, just like you that are yeah. probably just as nervous about being in that waiting room as you just yeah. a little bit of empathy to open up your eyes that people are out there just like you who really don't want to be there, but know they should be there. Right. So sit back, like that. listen to the fountain, grab a mint and just realize you're not alone. That's great. I love it. And come on in the office. Come on in. <laughs> uh, number 29. I have, so many other day-to-day hassles in my life that need immediate attention. Therapy does not make the cut. And I actually, I read this earlier. I love the quote here from the article. Maybe not right now, but as Dr. Ramsey says, I don't know who Dr. Ramsey is, but it's Dr. Ramsey. I would argue that the most expensive thing is to not get treatment. A good psychotherapist will make you more successful, more grounded, more wealthy individual, and I would say wealthy emotionally. Mm-hmm. And how. Oh, and wealthy individual, however you define wealth. So I define it as emotional. There you go. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. It's the same as like, um, I'm taking it back to the dentist analogy because I love it. You, in my opinion, you can't afford to not go to the dentist because right. they, they catch things early when they're easier to treat and cheaper to treat and take less time to treat. Right. Like if you don't ever go to the dentist and you go to the dentist 10 years down the road after having not been to a cleaning or an exam or x-rays or anything, you're going to find out that you need five extractions, two root canals, and maybe a a couple of crowns because you never went to get these things figured out in the first place or to learn how to prevent them from happening. Similar thing with therapy. Things could get worse. You could lose your job because your mental state takes such a far turn. You could you could lose your relationships. I don't want to scare anybody, of course, but um, that's the price you pay when you don't take care of yourself is worse things happen down the road. Right. I mean, Austin and I work in the, in the dental field as of now, and you'd be surprised how many people we see that actually have over $20,000 in treatment Mm -hmm. because they just either never go or they just don't get their issues fixed. Yeah. And so their treatment plan keeps adding up, adding up, adding up until one day it's just so much. Yeah. And they offer just to, I mean, put in dentures at that point. Yeah. You know, I I worked at a dental laboratory where we made crowns and implants before. And it's just ironic. We both ended up in the dental field. I I have no interest in (laughs) dentistry whatsoever, but I love my job now. I used to work at a dental lab and we'd get these pictures of people that are getting full mouth restorations of either They're called hybrid implants where this is like a denture that gets screwed into your mouth Mm -hmm. and they would show pictures before and their teeth are just a little bit messed up, a little bit under taken care of. And you think of the equivalent of that with a person's mental state where they just bottle everything up and push Mm -hmm. it to the side, shove it under the rug, avoid it, drink it away. Um, What is your version of the full mouth restoration that costs $12,000 either physically, monetarily or emotionally or in your relationships? What that might look like in your life. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's different for everyone, but it's a, it's a real issue that could happen if you don't take care of it. Yeah. And the cool thing with therapy though, is that you can go to a couple sessions of a therapist mm-hmm. with a therapist and have tools for the rest of your life. Exactly. That yeah. you can use. So it's a, it's a well worth, well worthy investment. Absolutely. I couldn't think of a better investment for any person on this planet. Right. Just one or two sessions of therapy in their life. Maybe other than listen to this podcast, but Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> 
just kidding. This podcast is not therapy. Go see a therapist. Yeah. This is just hey. a great tool to have. Yeah, another one of those tools, yeah. All right, last one, 30. Frick it. <laughs> I'll just say it. I'm scared. The article says, yeah, that. Big one, but not impossible to overcome. Find out how I faced all that here. That's a go to the article you have to, to go find to the out. article. Who <laughs> <laughs> we, we give all our credit yeah. to that we got our information from this article. But I mean, yeah. I'm scared to go to therapy. I I want to go myself for many different reasons. Um, I'm scared to go. That's a real excuse. But um, we're both here to tell you that yes, it might be scary for you, but at the end of the day, you are worth it, and it's worth it. It's a mm -hmm. worthwhile endeavor. Mm -hmm. Is it? It's as worth it as going to your doctor for a checkup or as worth it as it is to go get your appendix out, like whatever it is, however severe it is or how minimal it is. It's never not going to be worth it. Yeah. I promise that. Yeah. And we'll just end with saying, please, please go to therapy. Like it doesn't matter if you say, oh, I don't have any problems. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. I'll be good. I have my spouse for that. Yeah. Oh, it's only for white people. Like, no, you are worth it. You're worth the investment. Now, go see a therapist. Amen. <laughs> it's really not as scary as you would think. The, the scariest part, just like the dentist, is going there, for me anyway, like <laughs> for a cavity or something. Then once you're all, this, this is just a bad analogy at this point, instead of once you're all numb and high, it's not as bad. <laughs> That's On not, episode six, <laughs> 18 of the What About series. No, yeah. It's, once but it's yeah, done, it's yeah. done. And you, I've never regretted going to the dentist knowing that I had a cavity fixed and that that's right. gone and taken care of. Yeah. I've never regretted going to the doctor. Even if like I went to the doctor recently for a checkup, nothing was wrong with me. And he sent me out the door and I paid the money and I knew that I was okay. I don't regret it because I went out the door with peace of mind and that, that could be therapy for you. You go to one session and you kind of determine that you don't need to go anymore. You're in a pretty good state at the moment and you leave with some amazing tools and understanding of yourself that you're going to use for the rest of your life. Like Enoch said, yeah. So it's never going to be a waste, and I can promise that. Yep. It's worth it. You're worth it. And if you made it this far, it's all 30. Thanks for listening. Congrats to you. <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> and we will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks, guys. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy, yeah? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy, yeah?